This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I am Jolan Ansami, your co-host joined by Natasha Sardoj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and via YouTube on International Leaders Summit. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. This weekend on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan and the Great Lakes region, we are delighted to welcome to this program Cleta Mitchell. Cleta Mitchell is the chairwoman of Public Interest Legal Foundation and was a partner and political law attorney in the Washington, D.C. office of Foley & Lardner, LLP. With more than 40 years of experience in law, politics, and public policy, Ms. Mitchell advises nonprofit and issue organizations, corporations, candidates, campaigns, and individuals on state and federal campaign finance law, election law, and compliance issues related to lobbying ethics and financial disclosure. On this note, we welcome to America's Roundtable, Cleta Mitchell. Welcome indeed. Welcome, Cleta. Well, thank you very much. According to a published report, researchers from a university consortium of Northwestern, Harvard, Northeastern, and Rutgers surveyed more than 24,000 individuals across the nation between November 3rd and 30th. The survey found that 69% of Trump voters and 11% of Democrats lack confidence in the fairness of the 2020 election, the presidential election. The study states, I quote, the survey showed large partisan gaps of over 40 percentage points in public concern about mail-in fraud, 85% of Republicans and 38% of Democrats, unquote. Uh, Cleta, uh, far from upholding election integrity, the Democrat-run Congress passed this month for the People Act, also known as Voting Rights Bill, or H.R. 1. If this bill was enacted, it would have the effect of removing the requirement for voter identification and would make mail-in voting permanent. The bill would also also requires states to offer online and same-day voter registration as well as 15 days of early voting nationwide. Now, the problem with this bill are multifold. Firstly, federal government is encroaching on state rights, which is unconstitutional. Secondly, removing the ID requirement for voting is an opportunity for an outright fraud. And thirdly, voter confidence is diminished and can result in lower voter turnout and increased cheating opportunity by filling in empty ballots. Now, if we take into consideration the media censorship and the witch hunt on anyone who questioned the results of the last presidential elections, we can say that the Democrat-run Congress wants to stay in power indefinitely through HR1 because no one will be able to question fraud elections that we are being set up for. Cleta, based on our experience and lessons learned from the last presidential elections in which the multiple evidences of election and voter fraud were not investigated, what do individual states and voters need to do now in order to fight against lawlessness in American elections, secure free and fair elections and achieve election integrity? in the next midterm and presidential elections? Well, what everybody needs to be doing right this moment 
is contacting, and I mean contacting, calling, 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 not emails, but calling, calling, calling their your U.S. senators and demanding that they vote no on this terrible bill that has been reintroduced as S-1, and it's identical to the House version except for a few minor changes that they made when they dropped it last week. There's a hearing on it tomorrow. There's another uh, committee action after the Easter recess and is expected to come to the floor in uh, late April or early May. And only the people can stop this bill. And, you know, the thing that's so frustrating to me is to know that these Democratic senators and House members, they are voting in lockstep for this bill because they know that if they get this bill passed, they will have put themselves out of the reach of the American people. Our country was founded on this principle of the consent of the governed. And if they pass this bill into law, it will do exactly all the things that you've described. It will codify into federal law all of the shenanigans that these people did in 2020. I think that they had an impact on ensuring that John James didn't get elected to the Senate from Michigan. So, look, I mean, it's a very dangerous, it, this is a very dangerous bill. To me, it threatens the very fabric of our republic. So everybody who hears this needs to be calling their senators and demanding that they vote no. I don't know, I don't care if you think they're beyond hope, they still need to hear from their constituents to vote against S-1. We call it the Corrupt Politicians Act, and it literally would create election chaos permanently, eliminate all election integrity, every kind of photo ID, expand mail ballot, automatic registration, felons voting, children voting, non-citizens voting. And it would also, it has other provisions in it too. It would require that if you give money to a, an organization, an advocacy organization, a cause that you believe in, that's a private organization, the government can get hold of your name and publish your name and put you on a, a list that is made public. And you know, we see the cancel culture going after individuals who contribute to things or who speak out, or as in my case, because I represented the president, I was involved in the volunteer legal team that was working on the Georgia post-election. And the left is merciless in the way they come after conservatives. So, look, this is a very frightening bill. All I can tell you is you better be calling your congressman and burning up the phone lines, telling your friends, writing op-eds, letting everybody know that this is happening. Yes, Clita, authoritarian and corrupt regimes around the world have been regularly using fraudulent elections to remain in power indefinitely. And as you mentioned, the uniqueness of the United States of America is our U.S. Constitution, the government which is off for and by the people, and most importantly, the application of the consent of the governed, because the only way in which the governed can give their consent for the laws of the country is through elections. Well, look, I mean, we know that, that ruling parties have put themselves in power and then changed the laws uh, in Venezuela. They packed the Supreme Court. We know they've done it in other countries, in Mexico and in totalitarian countries. That's what this is about. This is a totalitarian bill. It would turn our country away from the republic that it has been since for over 200 years and basically create a corrupt regime 
that is permanently beyond the reach of the people. I don't, it is not too strong to say that. That is exactly what they're trying to do. And they may have the votes to do it, but we need to make them pay. We need to make them pay and make it as difficult as possible for them. So I appreciate your effort to spread the word about this. On the issue of the sanctity of the ballot, we also reminded of the formidable challenges at hand and each citizen's responsibility in engaging their elected officials on election integrity in America and on the freedom of speech front. Cleta, after the 2020 elections as voters, attorneys, and organizations brought forward legitimate claims and concerns about the erosion of election integrity, mainstream media and the social media cartel swooped into block the flow of information, apply draconian measures of censorship similar to what we see in China and Iran, and then go to the extreme by removing people, elected leaders from social media platforms. This Orwellian approach by social media platforms have targeted conservatives and those on the center-right that have raised legitimate questions in the public square. According to an August 2020 Pew Research poll, 90% of U.S. adult Republicans believe social media sites censor political viewpoints. A majority, 71%, of those polled said they disapproved of social media companies even labeling posts. Cleta, in America, some are deeply concerned that they may be silenced or punished in the digital public square for presenting their views about the 2021 elections in two states, New Jersey and the Commonwealth of Virginia, and the midterm elections in 2022, specifically in key battleground states. What is being done today by concerned citizens groups and legislators at the state and federal levels to ensure that we have the freedom of speech in the United States of America as it pertains to bringing to light the importance of election integrity? Well, it's a very serious problem. This is a very, very serious problem. Because it's not only that people are being silenced by social media, but I'm aware of people who have who were not in Washington on January the 6th, but who've written about it and posted articles about it, and the FBI has come knocking on their door to ask them. Now, if that isn't totalitarian, I don't know what is. If that's not a chill uh, against someone's free speech rights, I don't know what is. So we have a lot to be very fearful about right now, and we, we've got to band together and fight back. We can't be afraid. We need to be aware, but we can't be afraid. And there are serious efforts underway to try to figure out how we can hold these public, these social media companies accountable. But there was a great decision in the last two days with a, an, an opinion by Judge Lawrence Silverman in the D.C. Circuit. And he wrote that the media, the New York Times and Washington Post, have become nothing more than uh, shells for the Democratic Party, and that, that, is, that they should not have all these protections when all they do is basically present one-party information. And so we have a lot to, to think about and work on and try to deal with, but the main thing is we're in danger of losing our country, just like President Trump said when he was running for re-election, and we're seeing it unfold right before our very eyes. 
Right, Lita, and let me just follow up on what you mentioned. Uh, the, the, the D.C. Circuit Senior Judge Lawrence Silverman said last week, and I quote, he said, the increased power of the press is so dangerous today because we are very close to one-party control of these institutions. Although the bias against the Republican Party, not just controversial individuals, is rather shocking today, this is not new. It is a long-term secular trend going back at least to the 70s. One-party control of the press and media is a threat to a viable democracy, unquote. And he also said, as you mentioned, that the New York Times and the Washington Post are virtual Democratic Party broadsheets. Nearly all television, network and cable is a Democratic Party trumpet. Even the government-supported national public radio follows along. Clita, the voters were oblivious of Biden's family corruption and business dealings with communist China because big tech social media companies and mainstream media blocked New York Post article at that time and related reporting about the content of Biden's son computer. Voters need to be fully informed about the events and facts about any candidates before casting their vote. How can we prevent this kind of censorship by these media outlets and encourage reporting that is based on the truth and all the facts which would uphold the freedom of speech in America today as well? First of all, I have not watched a network news program <laughs> since 1995. I quit watching the network news because I realized how biased they were and are and have been for many decades. So, you know, look, I mean, I, I don't watch network news. I don't even really watch cable news much anymore. I just, I try to get information from reading, from going to sources that I trust. Hey, look, the number one thing that they rely on is ratings. And if we, if we just keep withdrawing our eyeballs from their news programs, that's the best way, I think, for us to be able to let them know. But I also think that we should be writing letters and demanding that you know, I think they should be held accountable for, from the public. But you're right. There were a lot of people who said after the election that they would not have voted for Biden had they known about the Hunter Biden scandal. But they didn't know because Twitter blocked the New York Post, kicked him off Twitter. Now, they didn't kick off the New York Times, and the New York Times released the president's uh, tax returns, but they did kick off the New York Post. It's a scary time in our country, and we better, we better get up off our tail ends and start fighting for our country. That, that's what we need to be doing. Right. And, you know, by concealing the truth and prematurely proclaiming the winner, the mainstream media and the big tech were interfering in America's elections. Yes, they were. I filed on behalf of the Tea Party Patriots an FEC, a complaint with the Federal Election Commission against Twitter and Jack Dorsey and their marketing director for their actions in blocking the New York Post and said that was a corporate contribution to the Biden campaign. Now, I haven't heard anything. and It'll be a while before uh, I ever hear back. We at least uh, laid down the marker that we were going to fight back against that terrible action that they undertook at a time when they are supposed to be allowing more information, not less, and let the people decide. They have decided, the, the elites, the leftist elites in this country have decided that they need to curate our news. In other words, they should decide what we should hear, they should decide what we should believe, and they'll tell us. And that's what's going on. So one person I could suggest that everybody should follow is Cheryl Atkinson, A-T-K-I-S-S-O-N, Cheryl Atkinson. 
She's a former CBS News reporter. She now has her own blog. She's written several books. Her new book is called Slanted. It talks about how she perceives the news industry today. And she has a program on every Sunday, which is broadcast on the local Sinclair news stations. I think we need to start supporting individual journalists and commentators. Victor Davis Hanson, Tucker Carlson. To me, that's where we should go for the truth. Thank you so much, uh, Cleta, for joining us on America's Roundtable. And uh, Cleta Mitchell is the chairwoman of Public Interest Legal Foundation here in Washington, D.C. Thank you so much, Cleta. Thank you all. Appreciate all you do. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I am Jolan Ansami, your co-host joined by Natasha Sardorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and via YouTube on International Leaders Summit. Visit iLeadersSummit.org.